I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. So today I have Jay here with me and we're going to talk about this concept that Jay calls living in a memory. So sometimes when you know, when we get in situations that we're unsure of, especially in new relationships with people, we tend to make assumptions and jump to conclusions. And oftentimes when I find myself doing that, making an assumption about, let's say, how someone will behave, because that's been my experience, Jay will say, well, you can't do that because you're living in a memory. And I just think it's a really brilliant concept. It's something that I bring up in individual coaching sessions. So I wanted Jay to take some time and explain what he means by that um, to you guys. Hey, Jay. What's up? Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, So living in a memory, uh, there's a reason why we have memories. Uh, There's a whole lot of reasons why we have memories, but I'll just uh, pull out a couple of reasons. Um, First of all, uh, when we have memories, we have uh, reflection on things that have gone in the past, and we also create generalizations um, you know, an easy example of a generalization is, uh, you learn how to tie your shoes and then you get a new pair of shoes. You don't have to relearn to tie your shoes because it's the general idea that if you have laces, you know, you, you lace them up the same way with each pair of shoes that you get, uh, should they have laces. Uh, the problem with creating generalizations, uh, in, uh, people is that, excuse me, uh, we tend to create generalizations based off of an experience that we've had and we just rerun that experience that we have over and over and over in our heads like a loop. Uh, So, you know, an example would be uh, somebody that's afraid of dogs. Uh, They could have had a bad experience of a dog or heard of somebody having a bad experience of a dog and it was scary for them. And so whenever they encounter a dog, that loop just starts to replay itself over and over and over again. Um, so the generalization is that, you know, all dogs are bad or all people are bad. Uh, if you are uh, talking about a relationship dynamic, uh, so in terms of the relationship, uh, it's not a good idea to create generalizations of people because obviously everybody is different and your experiences will always be different uh, with obviously the diverse group of people that you're interacting with or you're relating to. Uh, So creating generalizations of people is just living in a memory based off of an experience that you've had in the past with someone. And, you know, we all know that memories are just, a a snapshot of time that you've had and an experience and you're just replaying it over like a loop. Uh, But the problem with that is, is how do you go forward from that? And how do you create new memories? Uh, How do you, you know, get rid of that memory so that you can relate to somebody that you want to relate to and uh, just continue to move forward and stop having, building this wall and building this rule that, you know, if you avoid this, 
you know, experience or this subject matter or whatever that you're going to be safe. Uh, because that's not necessarily being safe. That is just staying in one position and not moving forward. Uh, so anything beyond that is unexplored territory by you because you're living in a memory of something that had happened and you are preventing yourself from actually moving forward beyond that. So it can be detrimental to relationships because a relationship obviously takes a long time to build and especially a good uh, functional relationship. It takes a long time to build that. Uh, so there were, there are always going to be times in which you need to move past where you've been uh, in previous relationships in order to have the ultimate relationship, uh, marriage, kids, uh, what have you. Uh, there has to be a threshold that you must pass and realize that, oh, yeah, you know, like the world didn't crumble around me. Um, I'm fine, you know. I'm actually a little bit better than I was because I got past that threshold and now I'm able to move forward with uh, with this person or even just with myself. Um, and, you know, the problem also with living in memories is they become warped. Uh, you can think of, you know, if you've ever thought about your school that you went to when you were a little kid and then you've gone back to visit that school and, you know, you think of the gymnasium or the cafeteria and how big it was. And then you go back to that school and you realize, wow, this is not that big at all. But to me back then, uh, it was enormous. Uh, so memories are warped and they are not going to be a true depiction on what's happening now. Uh, the same goes with people. You know, you can go away from somebody and think of them and remember them, but you're only going to remember them within the confines of how you last saw them and your last interaction with them. And so when you actually come, it comes time to go and see that person, they will obviously be a little bit different and that will be noticeable to you. So those are just little keys of, you know, pros and cons of having memories and the obvious cons of living in memories, um, trying to go forward in a relationship or relating with just people in general, uh, that can really be a big deterrence. Yeah, that's such a good point. You remember when, you know, it's like when we tried to go back and watch movies that we thought were really awesome. Exactly. At the time. Movies, they were awesome at the time, but when you live in a memory, what you don't realize or take into consideration either is your own emotional growth and oftentimes you know a lot of people will say to me well you know I know that the person's gonna do that the thing that they think they're gonna do right like I know that that's what's gonna happen well I just know because that's what always happens you know if you find yourself predicting the behavior of the person that you're in relationship with based on memories that are warped like we just talked about because we're different people we grow over time things change we see the world differently in that time of development and growth then what you end up doing is setting the person up and yourself in their relationship to fail because you're not moving forward and creating new memories with those people so when you start to live you know, when you start to recognize that you are living in a memory, you know, what's one thing that people can do so that they can stop making assumptions and start to create new memories? Because that's a scary threshold, right? So what do you advise that people do? Well, <laughs> the thing I run into uh, quite often with uh, coaching clients is 
they say that's always how it happened. And then I ask them, well, how many times has it happened? And a lot of times the answer is once. <laughs> yeah. So if it happened once, it doesn't mean that it's always happened that way, unless that's your only experience in it. Uh, many of my clients choose to ignore the times that it didn't happen because those times don't really stand out to them. They didn't hurt or they didn't uh, you know, disrupt them in any type of way. So they are banking on the worst case scenario, uh, which is fine, but you have to take that for what it is. That's worst case scenario and you should have a plan for worst case scenario. Uh, to not have a plan for that is, you know, that, that's setting yourself up. You know, you're, you're setting yourself up to become a victim all over again just to re-loop that memory so that way, you know, you were right and you were right all along. And so now you're comfortable because you were right and, you know, you're back into a, you know, either being alone again or because you can't trust anybody or, you know, in a dysfunctional relationship that has a lot of, uh, you know, oft limit uh, subject matter or, you know, just things that you just can't, you know, connect on. Yeah, it, I, it's just so true. And, you know, I think, well, as you were talking, one of the biggest things that I remember it, you telling me is, you know, one thing that coaching clients talk to me about a lot is being in relationships and, like, worrying that the person's going to cheat on them or lie to them or blindside them in some way. And then, you know, looking out for that behavior. So rather than actually being in a relationship, constantly waiting for the person to leave you or hurt you or cheat on you. And when you and I were first dating, you would say, like, you would say, I trust someone until they give me reason not to trust them. So not only did you not live in a memory, but you taught me that even if a person makes a mistake, once you forgive that person and let it go, that each new moment when, with them is a memory. So you, even if you're with somebody and you're married to them, you know, for, I don't know, 10 years, and they do the same thing over and over again, you still can't start assuming that they're going to do that same thing again. Because then that sets you guys both up to just have be stuck in this box of this is what you did in the past, this is who you are, this is who you'll always be. So every moment of forgiveness is an opportunity to create a new connection and a new memory. And living as if the person that you're dating or in relationship with is just going to lie to you or hurt you or cheat on you is not giving them an opportunity to actually connect with you. So you're just kind of playing out those same pattern, right? Exactly. And like I said, the relationship will always have, <coughs> excuse me, a, a limit. Uh, it will always have a wall put up. And in order to move forward through that relationship and continue to build a stronger relationship, the wall has to go. Uh, and not sitting around, you know, with idle time on your hands, thinking about all of the bad things that can possibly happen to you or your relationship uh, is another um, great thing to do to not live in a memory is get up and move around a little bit. Um, there is a huge correlation between movement and uh, getting rid of anxiety and depression. Um, obviously, the hormonal change that exercise gives to to you, um, there's also sitting around and just thinking about negative things. Uh, all you're doing is creating more energy in your body 
um, negative energy in your body and there's no outlet for it. So as you're sitting there thinking of a memory, you know, is this person going to cheat on me? Uh, or is this person going to do something, you know, deceitful, uh, maybe not cheating, but just deceitful in general? Uh, you're just sitting there just sort of festering all of this energy. And when it comes time to see that person, that energy has to go somewhere. So you are going to, you know, be pointing all guns at, you know, the person walking in the door you've been thinking about and festering over. Uh, so, you know, another way to get out of living in a memory is get up and move around a little bit, you know, do some basic exercising is good, get up and clean the house, get up and, uh, you know, find a job, go to work, have a purpose, uh, keep yourself occupied. So that way things are moving in a very functional manner and a progressive way for not only you, but, you know, your significant other um, to continue to build that strong relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I tell people all the time, we'll say, well, I can't get a job. Okay, I get it. If you can't hold down a job right now because your emotions are all over the place, you can volunteer, you can get a part-time job, you can create your own business. You know, you need to do something other than sitting around doing nothing and stewing because that makes the problem worse. Remember, it's not intrusive thoughts. That's the problem. It's the attention that you pay and the rumination and the brooding that you engage in to those um, intrusive thoughts that make them so overwhelming and makes you make your thoughts seem real so jay when you say basic exercise what are some things that someone who's let's let's assume people are not fit um and they're just like introducing themselves to exercise what are some things that they can do that are kind of a shock to the body to burn energy and to stop to start like living more in the present moment right so the thing about exercise is absolutely everyone knows what to do Everyone knows what to do. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows what a push-up is. Everybody knows what a crunch is. Everybody knows what a squat is. Uh, everybody knows what walking does, running. Uh, there are a lot of different uh, you know, ways to exercise the body uh, that we all know we just choose not to engage in. So if the issue is choosing not to engage in it by putting your own thought into it. Well, nowadays we have YouTube, you know, we have, I think every cable uh, network now has some sort of an exercise program on it, uh, like an on-demand type of thing. Uh, It's all over the place. So if you don't really want to put your thought into it, that's fine. You don't have to. Uh, you can simply just go onto YouTube or you can go on on demand on you know your cable provider. There are just so many different ways uh, or you can contact me for coaching uh, or Rose for coaching. Um, we put together programs for people all the time. Uh, so it's just you have to find something that you're willing to do and you know that you're what you are willing and what you're not willing to do. Um, and then start to engage in that behavior. And then that will start to build onto other things. And then you can get as specific as you want to. You know, if you want to build strength, there's a specific program for strength. If you want to build just general fitness, there's a program for that. If you want to build cardio endurance, there's program for that. You know, there are formulas for absolutely everything that you want to do, uh, but you have to start with anything. You can do anything for six weeks and you will start to feel a change and you'll start to see a change. Yeah, like 
walking is even a really good thing. Go out and take a Absolutely. walk. Absolutely. You have if your ankles hurt or your knees hurt or your calves hurt or whatever. You know, if every when we are not fit, we can make any complaint work, right? Like, like I can't because of this. Just start with something small, and your body will adapt. Our bodies are pretty powerful things, you know. And a lot of the times, you know, actually, I'll ask you, what do you think about this? A lot of times, people will say to me, "Well, I can't sleep. I'm up all night long, and so I can't exercise because I'm too exhausted the next day because I can't sleep." So. My response to that is to talk about this energy, you know, that you just referenced, right? So you just talked about, like, there's so much negative energy that you have when you're ruminating and living in a memory and just living in your thoughts. So I do talk about that. What's your take on insomnia, being too exhausted to work out, you know, and then, like, working out as being a solution for that? Right. Insomnia is uh, something that needs to be worked through, Um there are doctors out there that you know take care of insomnia. Uh, to me, it's it probably already is horrible to not be able to sleep. Um, so yes, it will be horrible to exercise when you haven't slept well. But uh, the exercise and the getting up and con- uh, continuing to make yourself busy uh, physically and mentally as well, and occupied physically and mentally as well eventually your body is going to need to sleep. Uh, that's just going to happen. Uh, but you're going to have to go through a period, you know, a day, a couple of days, a week, a couple of weeks even, uh, where you're going to have to force yourself to be awake and you're going to have to force yourself to move. Uh, so following a program will be a bit easier um, to, to follow if you're just looking at a sheet of paper or watching a screen and just doing what they're doing um, and just following along, it will be a lot easier to to achieve a level of uh, activity to take care of some of that pent-up energy that you have. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And I used to have issues with insomnia too. And I believe that part of it is when you're ruminating and brewing, you're having, you have all of this you know, negativity going on in your cortisol or your stress hormone levels are really high and then you're on your phone or you're binge watching Netflix. So you're keeping your brain awake, but also keeping your body from being able to expel the energy. And so, you know, you could go the medical route for insomnia and take a medication, but I think it's probably a good idea if you're looking at really, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, let's be honest, the stuff that we say, it's hard stuff. You know, we're asking you to leave behind this one life, follow this other path of making choices to get the life that you want so if that's you know who we're talking to well then don't take the sleeping pill you know go ahead and let me just add one more thing Uh, i've had a coaching client in the past say that i cannot sleep uh but the problem is is this person had a computer next to them their phone next to them uh an alarm clock next to them all of these little lights all throughout their room. Uh, get rid of all of that stuff. You need to get rid of your phone. You need to get rid of the computer lights. You need to get rid of any sort of light that you keep staring at. Okay, your room has to be dark in order to sleep. 
Yeah, I think we forget, especially when we have anxiety and depression and we're in the mental health model, right, of living. I think we forget that we are biological beings. You cannot go to sleep when it's like super bright in your room at night and your mind is stimulated by a screen. There are things going on that your emotions and your thoughts can't process consciously all at once. And that's this biological need to have, you know, energy expelled in your physical body, to have calm at night to not have a phone or something stimulating you and yeah to turn off those little lights right think about what you're doing there are two roads to get everywhere you can go the easy route and take the trazodone or take the sleeping pill and that's fine you know I respect that for a certain amount of time if you need to do that you know but the other way is also going to work for you it will just be more you know difficult but things that are more difficult are all often more rewarding you won't have any of the side effects of those sleeping medications so to not live in a memory to not have anxiety really one of the key themes it seems like we're talking about here jay is movement you know and also committing to trusting your body and to trusting yourself and really pushing past these things that you think that you can't handle right Absolutely. And just one more thing to add on, uh, sleeping pills doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get good quality sleep. Sleeping pills generally means uh, you're just going to pass out. Uh, So you're going to be unconscious. Being unconscious and actually getting that, that good sleep architecture is two different things. So people that are on sleeping pills, uh, they need the sleeping pills to make themselves unconscious. But uh, getting hooked on sleeping pills is a slippery slope and a lot of people are on it right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point that you make. I love that. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked, we kind of bounced all over the place today talking about not living in a memory and talking about, you know, insomnia and fitness. And we can go on and on and on because really the reality of the, the lifestyles that we have learned to live and what we're trying to teach you guys to recover is that this is an entire, you have to look at a big picture. Like this is your whole life. So if you continue to sit and brood and ruminate and not move your body and stay up all hours of the night and live in a memory and make assumptions and jump to conclusions, then that is going to be what you continue to do over and over again. But if you want to stop doing that, then you can live in the present moment. And some ways you can start to do that is to move your body, is to turn the lights off at night, is to, you know, allow the person that you're in a relationship with to be who they are without assigning some characteristic of what you think they might be in the past. And those are just little things that you can do, you know, to keep progressing forward in recovery. Awesome. Do you have anything more to add about this, about this idea of living in a memory? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, if you have any questions, you know, obviously feel free to, uh, to write in. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Jay. This is a brief one. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. All right, let's do some Q and A. The first question is from someone in our Facebook group and This individual asks, how do you let go of resentment that you've built up in a relationship and forgive the person that you're with? Well, I would start out with humility, Uh, understanding that we are all we are all human beings. Uh, We all make mistakes. Um, So whoever you are trying to forgive or whoever you are holding resentment toward, Uh, understand that you have done things as well to maybe this person or to other people or even to yourself. 
so you have had to have been forgiven at some point in your life. Uh, so now it's time to, uh, to practice that um, and understand that there is a, a universal law that uh, every thing that people do is meant for a positive intended result. So they could have done something uh, to you or, you know, something that just made you mad or something that they're doing consistently that makes you mad. Uh, But you have to stop yourself to look at uh, the situation for what it is and try to figure out, well, what is their positive intended result from this? Uh, What are they trying to get out of this? And you need to run that formula so that way you can take a pause and realize that it may not be uh, what they're doing but how they're doing it uh, that is flawed. Uh, they may be wanting to uh, you know, vent to you or they may be doing something that to them is the best way that they know how to do something. Uh, but to you, it makes you angry because – you feel like there is a better way of going at it. Uh, So it can build resentment on your end. But if you have communication with this person, uh, then you can talk to them about possibly a better way of doing this thing that is causing you resentment or causing you to uh, delay in forgiving them. Uh, But it has to be a partnership. You know, you two need to have each other's backs. And understanding that you need to have this person's back when they kind of go, you know, off track a little bit. Uh, You need to have their back. And, you know, when it's your turn, when you're inevitably going to go off track a little bit, they need to have your back. And that is a a relationship that is going to build power. Uh, It's going to be something that is you will always have each other, even though there are going to be a lot of people in and out of your lives um, that will, you know, claim that they are, you know, friends or whatever. Uh, but you know that you always have your partner's back and they have your back. So forgiving um, is a practice of humility and being vulnerable and, and saying that, you know, I'm not perfect either. Uh, I think there's a better way you could do something. So here it is, uh, and then moving forward from that. Awesome. Awesome. That's a great answer. All right, second question today is, do you have any advice for partners or family members of people with borderline personality disorder? Definitely. <laughs> um, partners or family members of people with BPD uh, – you know, first and foremost, uh, understand that you are choosing to have a relationship uh, with this individual, and you are fully aware of uh, what comes with that relationship, and you are willing to take on the responsibility of continuing and building a relationship with this person. Absolutely. So it's going to take. Uh, these formulas that we've been talking about uh, understand that everything that everyone does, everyone um, has a positive intended result uh, for them. So if you can look through the 
initial reactionary emotion that comes to your brain, uh, if you can give that a little bit of a pause and then just kind of push that to the side, you'll start to understand where they're trying to go with this. And you're, you'll start to understand, uh, you know, the result that they're trying to get um, that is positive for them. Uh, so then once you're able to brush aside that reactionary emotion that initially hits you uh, because you're a human being, uh, then you can start to look at the situation for what it really is and not how just you're perceiving it. Um, another one is another formula to run is, uh, you know, people's actions don't uh, necessarily define who they are. Uh, because, you know, if that were the case, we would all be, you know, just sentenced to this conviction of, you know, our actions that we've, you know, stupid things that we've done a long time ago, that doesn't define who we are today. Um, so, and the same goes to somebody, uh, with BPD, um, their actions don't define who they are. It's just, they have a flaw in how they're going about doing things. And that's the same as the positive intent and result. They want the result, but you may see a better way of getting to it. Uh, so, you know, earlier I talked about tying shoes. You know, you look at a, a small child learning to tie their shoes. Well, they are freaking out because it's hard to tie your shoes. It's hard to learn how to tie your shoes. It's a very, uh, it's an abstract concept. And then you're, you're taking, you know, dexterity. There, there's all sorts of, of, of things that make that difficult for a child. So you swoop in and you, you kind of show them and guide them a better way of doing it. You know, you don't just yell at them and get mad at them and then, you know, don't teach them how to tie their shoes because uh, it's not functional. So understanding those formulas and, you know, getting beyond that initial emotional reaction that you may have is going to be a, a major um, contribution to the relationship and maintaining that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. That is so true. And, you know, for me and you, because we both work Jay does coaching with individuals that, you know, are partners with people with BPD and, you know, the same goes for me. And I think that's something that's really important. It's in your initial reaction. If you know that your partner has BPD may very well to be like, well, you have BPD. Are you ever going to get any better? Is this ever going to change? That might be your initial reaction. And that's fair because we're hard to deal with. Let's just be honest when we're having those moments. But if you can push that aside and you see another way, help them see another way. Because I'm sure, you know, how many times have you heard your partner go, I'm not trying to. That's not what I'm trying to do. Because they have a positive intended result for themselves. They're trying to get their need met in an inappropriate way, having BPD. So what you can do is push your reaction aside and help them learn. Imagine the kind of relationship you would have with the BPD passion, because we all know like that's one thing that makes us so unique. That's why people stay with us in relationship, because we are good people and passionate people. When we're good, it's really good. 
right? So how imagine how great your relationship would be if you were helping teach your partner these appropriate behaviors so you guys could have each other's back. Even though it's frustrating and it'll take repetition, just like that child tying a shoe, at the end of it, you have this light at the end of the tunnel, which is a very deeply connected relationship, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and the more you can do that, the better the relationship gets. Uh, as I had mentioned in the previous question, it's about having each other's back. You know, if you're choosing to have a relationship with someone with BPD, that doesn't mean that, you know, BPD is going to just be within everything that happens in your relationship. The only time you really recognize BPD is when it's going badly. <laughs> you know, when things are good, you're not really thinking of BPD. When things are bad, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, this is, this seems a little bit worse than what it should be. So it's important to uh, both partners to take a second and realize that. And if one person is not realizing that, enlighten them, you know, have their back, let them know what's going on. And, you know, if they are not receiving it well, then at least you told them once, you know, my thing is, is you don't have to listen to me. I just need to tell you this one time so that I've said it. You know, I've said it and I, because I, I am obligated to say that because I told you, I took an oath that I have your back no matter what. So you may not like what I have to say, but I have to say it once. So that way, you know, I've said it, it's out there and we can talk about it and we can move forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Jay. My pleasure. So if, if there are people out there listening that want to schedule a coaching session with you specifically, how do you want them to contact you? Uh, you can contact me through our website. Uh, you can contact me through j at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Uh, or you can call Rose. You can call our company number. Yep, 844-984-7483 or 844-9-THRIVE. And just leave a message. So if I know my voice is on the voicemail, but you can leave a message and you know say that you want to work with Jay and we can schedule for you the... Or, uh, excuse me, we can schedule for you that way. Jay's schedule is not online yet because we're just not there, but a lot of people have been asking me how to get in touch with you. So I just want people to know that you can help, you will help, and they can reach out. Absolutely. Reach out at any time. Yeah, for sure. All right, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.